Seminary. Can you kind of give our listeners, for those who don't didn't hear that interview, uh, a little bit about your story of entering into seminary and in the Catholic faith? Yes, uh, I've always, as a, even as a child, I was very interested in religious topics and paid attention. You know, we went to the Methodist Church as a small child, and then later on to the Episcopal Church, and I was confirmed in that. But I was always an avid reader of history and. The Catholic Church, of course, stands out in the past 2,000 years as an important historical um, institution. And uh, I kept asking the question, well, if it's the oldest church, why aren't we doing what they do? Why are we doing something different? Mm. And so that was an important question to me, and I began studying and studying and finally began going to Mass regularly in the Catholic Church when I was 19. Uh, I was a student at SMU at the time, and I ended up in the religious um, studies department, which is the undergraduate department, similar to philosophy or history and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, so I graduated from SMU with a BA in religious studies, but I joined the Catholic Church in 1973 at St. Thomas Aquinas, this was before RCIA. We had three months of classes uh, with the parish priest, which happened to be Father David Fellhauer at that time, who later became the bishop in Victoria, Texas. But anyway, um, I was uh, confirmed and received into the church uh, uh, in Holy Week of 1973. And after I graduated from college, I applied to Holy Trinity Seminary. Uh, with the uh, concurrence of Father Fellhauer and uh, then Father Fellhauer and also Father uh, Don Zimmerman uh, was one of my directors at that time. So I went out to Holy Trinity and applied and they accepted me there and I was ordained uh, four years later uh, in 1978. Mm, wow, that's, that's it happens so pretty I've quickly. Been yeah, well, that's about what it is once you finish college. We didn't have, back then, they didn't have um, the pastoral year. Yeah. So it was really a four-year program for everybody, and I happened to fit into that program. So Yeah. That worked out okay. But, uh, yeah, I've been serving the diocese for 44 years in various parishes. As you know, at Mary Immaculate, uh, where we built a new church, and other as an assistant in various places, uh, St. Monica, St. Pius, St. Cecilia's in Oak Cliff at one time. Um, I was pastor in Allen and St. Jude's for 10 years, and Mary Immaculate for about nine years. And then I've been here in um, Seton, here in Plano, for over 11 years. Wow. Yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing journey throughout the diocese of all those various parishes. And so uh, I want to talk about the exciting things that are happening at the parish now, but the the history of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish itself, I'm uh-huh. guess, well, I, I'm, I don't know if you know when the parish was uh, started. Yes, I'm it guessing was like started, the, it was started in 1976 Okay, in an elementary school here in Plano. And that was the year that St. Elizabeth Ann Seton was canonized. Oh, wow. So that's why they chose uh, her name. Yeah. You know, as a mother, foundress, um, person of great charity, you know, and a convert. Uh, 
So they, they chose St. Elizabeth Anseton as the patroness here. And the parish uh, obtained property and grew and uh, had some expansions, including a very beautiful new uh, educational building and social building on the other campus nearby that we finished in 2006 under Father Henry Petter. And then the promise at that time was to build a new church. And so that's the position that we're in at this moment. Yeah, and and what was the final straw for you to decide or go to the bishop or what the process is of saying, okay, let's let's get started. Uh, what what was well, that? Well, when I first yeah, when I first came here, I wasn't real having built the church at Mary Immaculate uh, in Farmers Branch. I kind of said to myself, "Well, I'll not do that again." <laughs> <laughs> but when we came here, everybody kept saying, "Well, we promised the people we were going to build a church." And they had some designs and some suggestions about it, and we conferred, and then we decided to move ahead with that, with some town hall meetings to see you know, what the people wanted. So we had two town hall meetings, I think in 2015 and 2017. And then in 2017, we, uh, we embarked on a real campaign and uh, with a real design, and then um, we be- broke ground October of 21, we demolished the old church because we didn't have enough space, honestly, to keep it. Um, there were some structural things, not especially in the air conditioning systems that were very problematical to, to retain. So we simply decided to remove that building and everything. The concrete, the steel, the brick was all recycled uh, with various companies we began the excavations and the and the framing for the new building, which is now uh, taking place as we speak. Yeah, the the whole frame is pretty much up. It, it it looks remarkable. The frame is up, and there's a lot of brick up, and there's a lot of steel work on the inside. Um, the bell tower uh, is up and looks rather lovely in the neighborhood. Uh, it's a um, Romanesque revival. Style church, uh, similar to Holy Trinity, but bigger. Okay. When I say Holy Trinity, I mean Holy Trinity downtown Dallas. Yeah. Similar in some respects to that, but larger. Um. And uh, yeah, is you know the last weekend I, I was out visiting Saint um, Gabriel the Archangel in McKinney. Actually, the first time that I've been in their church. It's I think one of the newer churches in the Dallas Diocese. Yes. I think a couple of years old, and really a, a very unique look. And you've probably been there. They've got the the twelve yes. apostles in the background and big. You know, so how is there? How, how I guess the, my question is: You don't want you know that your church to look too much like another church. And of course, you probably have a, a thousand opinions among the parishioners of what they would like the church to look like. So how do you make that decision? The diocese, I'm sure, weighs in. Uh, how was how that decision made of what, what the, the style is going to well, be? Well, we started debating how, what style we wanted to use way back when we did the original financial campaign. But even when we did the town hall meetings, it was obvious to me that people wanted a traditional building. Yeah. So that usually means, in most people's minds, either Romanesque architecture or Gothic architecture. So we decided to go with the Romanesque style, which is rather like Holy Trinity Church downtown. 
And uh, the diocese has a criteria. They've modified it over the years, um, but uh, we met their approval levels, uh, both for the structure, for the design, for the usage liturgically, uh, for the financial backing and so forth. We had to fulfill all of those criteria that the diocese expects of us. We also have to have a professional project manager, and we use the same project manager that built St. Gabriel's in McKinney and built St. Francis in Frisco and built the new um, Good Shepherd in Garland and also the expansion at St. Rita's. So he had very good credentials, and he's doing a, a wonderful job for us here. That's Kevin Bird uh, with DevCon Company. But anyway, we also are using um, HH Architects. Uh, they designed the building. They did the expansions downtown uh, at the um, Episcopal Church of the Incarnation on McKinney Avenue. Uh, we, looked, we looked at their projects and were pleased with them. So they're very attuned to liturgical style and traditional style buildings. Yeah. And then we're using the same company that built uh, St. Gabriel, the construction company, and also built St. Francis. So, you know, these are all people that we kind of knew and that were local and that we could feel we could depend on. And we're being very pleased with what we see going up. Already the building is um, really, I think, remarkable to look at, even though it's still unfinished. Yeah, you know, I mentioned about visiting St. Gabriel for the first time. And, uh, you know, first thing I noticed was the, you know, the 12 apostles in the background. That's kind of unique. I, I have not seen that before. Is there uh -huh. any, is there anything, um, that. Well, let me tell you about, yeah, let me tell you about the art, uh, the iconography and the art that yeah. we're using. We're emphasizing stained glass a great deal. Hmm. Uh, the behind the sanctuary is what they call an apse, which is a half dome. In that dome will be nine large windows uh, with angelic uh, themes that frame the background of the sanctuary. Uh, and the tabernacle will also be central. Now, as you move forward in the church, you've got the transepts, the, the cross. It's a cross-formed church. Yes. So you've got four opportunities on the floor level for uh, large windows. And someone suggested that we put the four apostles so we selected those, and then we, in the nave of the church where the people sit primarily uh, facing the altar would be the 20 mysteries uh, associated with the rosary. Now, those windows that I just mentioned, plus the three round windows, one over the door and one on each transept uh, wing, those three round windows or rose windows, all of those are being designed uh, by Molini Studio in Florence, Italy. Mm. And several families have gone over there on trips, and they've gone by the studio. And Molini is delighted to show their work to, to visitors. And they've come back and said, you know, what, what they're doing over there is even more beautiful than the templates that we have here to look at. The, the actual glass is so much prettier. So everyone is associated with this seems to be pleased. We're also using another company called Pedrini, that is located, I believe, in Carrara. And they're using the same stone quarries that Michelangelo himself used mm. in his carvings. Oh, wow. 
And so we're going to have a carving of the Blessed Mother at prayer and St. Joseph and the Child Jesus flanking the sanctuaries. We're going to have some statues uh, back towards the front of the church where people can kneel and pray a while of um, the Blessed Virgin and Child and also of um, really it's a kind of sacred heart, divine mercy, risen Christ figure, you know, where people could also, all of those of stone. Yeah. The stations of the cross will also be of stone. Um, the baptistry that we have is you have to get into the nave of the church. You'll have to go through the baptistry. It's a large baptistry uh, with the font in the center, but plenty of moving space on either side for crowds to move in and out. So they can bless themselves, you know, as they enter and leave the church. Then there'll be a hallway or narthex in the portal of the church. But the narthex will also move eastward towards the old building, the old parish hall, where that way the, all the buildings are connected. But the narthex will be big enough for people to um, socialize before Mass or after without having to do that. See, the, the old church that we had was so small that people had a tendency to talk in church. Yeah. You know? What we're trying to do is, is, is make the church more quiet and allow the, the talking and socializing to go on in the hallway before they come in. The portal of the church will have three large doors facing the street. So as you pass back and forth across the street, you can't miss the bell tower and the doors and the, and the kind of classic frontage of the building. It'll be very attractive, really. Yeah, very nice. Now is... It seats, let me say, just seat, it'll seat around 1050 to 1,100 people. Okay, yeah, that's... Uh, uh, yeah. And we have more space for sanctuary, more space for choir, more space for seating, more, sta- more space for the confessionals, more space for baptistry, more space for everything, really. I, I said to myself when I walked in there the other day and looked up at the ceiling, it's a barrel vault ceiling. Uh, I, <laughs> I looked up at the ceiling and I thought, yeah, it didn't look this big on paper. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's a big building. Yeah, you know? it is but big. It's, but it's, when it's all filled in, and all the glass and art is in, and the pews are in, and everything is furnished. I think it's going to be a very lovely and, and comfortable, well lit space. And and what There'll be is a lot it, of glass in it? Yeah, it sounds sounds remarkable, and I can't wait. Uh, is, is there going to be a, a separate uh, chapel? I guess, for lack of a better word, for like daily mass. We have a contemporary chapel uh, in the corner of the connection between the narthex and the new build and the old building that's kind of a memorial to what we used to have it's using the old altar the old crucifix the old ambo and so on that was designed by one of our parishioners historically you know mm-hmm. and made by them so we wanted to keep mr flynn's items you know intact and so we're, we're actually having a daily mass chapel that seats about 200 people uh, as well, yeah, we'll have that mm. also. And I think when I spoke in to a you... nice courtyard, you know, uh, because of these buildings, they'll be essentially creating a courtyard that yeah. we want to design for, you know, receptions or outdoor meditation or whatever. Oh, wow. Sounds sounds wonderful. And uh, the timing, I, I think when I spoke to you last, you said we might still be about a year away. Uh, do you have a particular I, time when you think it's going to be opening that first Mass? Optimistically, I, I think 
next fall, probably October, November. We should be in certainly by next Advent. Okay. Yeah, that's exciting. Certainly by then. And Bishop, uh, I will say one thing. Bishop Burns came out and did a walkthrough and before we got a lot of things in, but he was very impressed with the structure and said to me, I can hardly wait to come back to bless this building. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> but he was very pleased. He was very pleased with, with our design. Yeah. How, how is life now, you know, in, in the transition period? Uh, and because yeah. I remember going there when my, my stepfather, you said his, his funeral mass yeah. a couple weeks ago. And it's, it's not, not only is it, you know, like you say, the church has been, uh, you know, uh, totally, uh, you know, the, the old church is gone, the new one's building up, but you're, you're celebrating masses across the street. It's in a whole different location. So, how, how, is, how are people handling this? We have the new location. We have the new building, as I said earlier, the Faith Formation uh, building with a large gymnasium, which we use on Sundays right now. It seats, wow, easily 600 people. Uh, yes, it's been, uh, we all got ready for it. We took a deep breath and knew that we'd have to change our schedules and modify things. Of course, COVID had already modified our um, schedule. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of, in one sense, helped us get ready for the fact that we had to make a lot of changes because we were already making so many changes to deal with the COVID epidemic. Yeah. But uh, in the new building, uh, the mass there in the gym has worked out pretty well. The sound is good. Uh, it feels, the, the the platform stage kind of makes it feel like a, a sanctuary, sort of, and so it, it's just worked out well. Uh, our, we have daily mass over here in the old building in the old parish hall, which actually was our original church hmm. uh, back in the late seventies. Now, what about fundraising? Yeah. Is it paid for, or do you you can doing this in phases? Well, we we have uh, approximately over we have over thirteen million dollars in pledges. And we have a seven and a half million dollar um, loan, which we've only just begun to touch. We've been doing without that for the first year, actually. And uh, we've been our payments have been high enough and good enough, and from the people that we didn't even need to touch the loan for almost a year. Mm. So now, uh, but now we're getting he- you know heavy into a lot of construction, you know. Yeah. But the uh, the pledging has been very very high level, even with COVID and even with the economy. Uh, our people here have been very loyal to this project. I, I have been so impressed with the enthusiasm of our people in this regard. I I was uh, I don't say I was surprised, not, but I was pleased that they they want this. Yeah, you know, and when people want things to happen. They'll set aside uh, funds to make it happen. Yeah, that's for you sure. Know? So what sounds uh, you know very one exciting. thing we learned in COVID, you know, for instance, uh, people were spending a lot of money, for instance, traveling. Well, they weren't traveling during COVID. Yeah. So we saw in all the parishes, not just here, uh, an, a certain a certain kind of increase actually in giving. Yeah. Yeah. Some because. People weren't using it on other things, you know. Right. They were kind of saving it. But I think some people, too, realized that we were going to build a new church one day. And they had sort of set aside 
some funds with that in mind. Yeah, but yeah. it's gone well, actually. Sounds like it. So, yeah, very exciting, and I appreciate the opportunity to share this with our listeners because I know uh, th- this is something that interests people. They love beauty. They love in the way you described what you're doing with this uh, church is so awesome. It's we, a classic architecture, and you're right. They do. We had a gentleman from Frisco send us a very large donation that we don't even know him, but he just said, I like what you're doing. <laughs> That's a good sign. So, you know, that tells you, you know, that people do appreciate beauty and nice architecture, you know, yeah. and it, it's, it, it, it gives glory to God and it lifts the spirit. Amen. You know? Well, Father Bradley, we're out of time, but I, I thank you for your time. Uh, Father Bruce Bradley, the pastor now for uh, 11, going on 12 years uh, of uh, St. Elizabeth yep. Seton Parish in Plano, uh, 44 years uh, a priest in the Dallas Diocese. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, you've blessed my family immediately, and I know you've blessed so many families uh, uh, throughout your years of uh, ministry. So thank you for that. I want to give everybody the, the website. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. SetonParish.org. Is that the right website, Father? Yes. Okay, Seton Parish, 2700 West Spring Creek Parkway, 75023. Of course, they're in two different locations, and as Father said, daily mass and weekend masses are in different locations, so you got to kind of figure out the, <laughs> the the lay of the land over there, but it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful church. I, I recommend, if nothing else, if you're not a parishioner there, just drive by uh, Independence and Spring Creek and just look at what's going on there from uh, from afar, and it's, it's quite spectacular. Uh, Father, thanks again, and uh, congratulations on all the, the great things happening at the parish and uh we it's, it's it's been a blessing to talk to you thank you thank you so much thanks also to diane xavier running the board and uh thank you for for uh listening everybody hope your advent and christmas is a great blessing this year and uh, we'll continue with more of these type of interviews in the new year here on the kth 9 10 a.m interview of the week here on the guadalupe radio network god bless you How would you like to attend a Community Epiphany musical? The Orchestra of New Spain will perform its annual concert at St. Philip the Apostle Catholic Church in Dallas on Saturday, January 7th at 6.30 p.m. Christmas and Epiphany provide an opportunity to showcase the celebrative religious works from the rich repertoire of Spain, Mexico, and Latin America, and in particular, popular narratives of Soler's Vianicios and the Latin responsories that took place in the celebration of Matins. Admission is complimentary. For more information, visit orchestranewspain.org. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this special December 31st, 2022 edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, good to be with you here as we wrap up uh, one year and look forward into the next. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer, Executive Director here at the station. Diane Xavier is our production manager, and she's running the board today. And I am uh, delighted to uh, spend this fi- one of the final uh, interviews of the week talking about a really beautiful foundation that started 19 years ago, and I believe every year for at least 10 years, maybe longer than that, 12, 14 years, I don't remember, uh, we have done interviews and promoted what's called the Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation Spirit of Love Scholarships. And I've had an opportunity and a blessing to interview uh, Rebecca Lee Rivera's uh, mother, Rena Rivera, uh, a number of times. She's president and founder of this foundation. And the the reason for it, of course, is um, something very sad, but great good has come out of uh, the sad event that we'll talk about that happened uh, 
almost uh, 20 years ago. So let's talk about this. Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation Spirit of Love Scholarships for 2023 with uh, Rena Rivera. Welcome. Thanks for coming to the studio. Thank you, Dave, for helping us get the word out about the scholarships. Yeah, next time we do this in 2023, we'll be at a different studio and you'll be celebrating uh, 20 years. And so that'll be exciting. Uh, talk yes. about um, the Rebecca Leah Rivera, of course, uh, for those who are not aware, is the name of your, your late daughter uh, who passed away in a, a tragic car accident many years ago. Uh, talk about her and uh, the, the, the person that she was and a little bit of a biography, if you could, about your dear daughter. Sure. Well, um, she died in 2004 on Father's Day, but uh, she was born on March 4th of 1983 in Eagle Pass, Texas. And um, we moved to the Dallas area, and she went to Mary Immaculate School from kindergarten to eighth grade, graduated in 1997. And then she went on to Ursuline Academy uh, and graduated in 2001. Um, She loved... The school, Mary Immaculate, and serving the community, teaching CCD and babysitting for our CIA, just um, any opportunity she had to serve. So um, that's why when she died, um, Maria Elena Alvarado uh, approached us. She was very impressed with her and wanted to um, have a scholarship in her name. And so she gave us that money, the first $2,500, and said, mm. my family and um, us will help you every year. Um, and Rebecca was very kind. Um, she liked to help people, um, even, you know, simple things like helping people pay their rent or electric bill and things like that. And um, one of the last things I remember was uh, somebody had uh, somebody's family member had died, and she and some of her friends got together and um, went to the person's home and cleaned it and got new um, bedding for them and just wanted to comfort them. And so she just kind of had that caring heart. Um, and I think too, even with Maria Elena Alvarado, um, she had been impressed because a few weeks before she died. Um, we came. We were living in Tyler at the time, and uh, Rebecca had a day off, and I had to come in for some business. And we drove in. It was on, on, like on a Thursday, and I thought she was going to hang out with her friends, uh, Sarah Happy, one of mm-hmm. her best friends, and um, maybe go to the mall or something. And little did I know that instead of doing that, they had gone to visit Maria Elena Alvarado, who was uh, recovering, and she was... Um, battling cancer Mm. and so you know she was 21 at the time and so you know she just had that kind of heart of instead of you know going shopping this is what she did and so i guess that's how impressed she was with her that when after she died she said let's let's do this and Mm. gave us that first check yeah, yeah. Well, that, that I don't, I don't remember that. It, it wasn't your uh, idea initially. It was something that came to you. And uh, how amazing that almost two decades later, it's still going strong. And of course, we haven't really talked about what it, it is that we're talking about as far as how this foundation is helping uh, students. Um, the Spirit of Love scholarships. Um, 
Uh, I'm just reading off the flyer here. For exceptional community service in memory of Rebecca Leah Rivera, uh, 2001 graduate of Ursuline Academy of Dallas. So uh, when, was it Elena, um, first came to you, did she say, I want to give this money and I want you to give scholarships? Or did she say, decide how you would like to use it? Or uh, how how did that first initial kind of brainstorming session go of how you can remember the legacy of uh, of Rebecca Leah? Well, she talked to her daughter, um, and said, you know, give them a call, see if they'll meet with you, and uh, we want to do this, you know, have a scholarship in her memory because she really admired her and loved her. As a matter of fact, uh, at her funeral, I remember when I was speaking, I looked in the back, and there was this woman in a wheelchair with a hat on, and little did I know it was her. And um, anyway, she... um she really loved Rebecca, and so she um, told her daughter to to talk to us about it. it. As a grieving mother, I would have rather been in bed and just, you know, crying. Um, but when that op- that phone call came and that opportunity, we just decided, okay, God wants us to do something. Mm-hmm. Get up out of bed. Go do this. And um, it's been a blessing to us ever since. Um, we had lots of support from our family. Um and especially our family at Mary Immaculate. Um, so we just talked about it. And within three months, they talked to us in March. And by June, we had set up a time of what we were going to do, um, a dinner. Knights of Columbus helped us by cooking, uh, donated some tables. We had it at Mary Immaculate. Basically, we had um, we had a dinner and people came and and we had music and dancing and um, so that was our first fundraiser. So she gave mm-hmm. us $2,500. We awarded the scholarship at the first event in 2005. And then um, the earnings from that dinner we used for the next year. And that's mm-hmm. what we've been doing pretty much every year is we earn and we raise funds and the this year for next year. And yeah. so um, we've been doing it ever since we started off with one. Um, our first recipient was Norma Moreno from Ursuline Academy, $2,500. And then the next year we did another one and, um, Dominic Moreta. And then we raised more and we started to increase it. Um, so that, um, like last year we awarded, I believe last year we awarded, uh, 13. Thir- scholarships. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And we expanded to um, eighth grade and also to uh, some um, grade school that are at Mary Immaculate. Um, so overall, through the years, we've awarded $214,500 uh, to and over 150 scholarships. Mm. And I know in the grand scheme, scheme of things, it's a um, a small drop in the bucket, but we just feel like as long as God helps us to raise the money, we're going to award it. And we have a great group of, of um, supporters, uh, board like Jane Happy is our secretary, um, our treasurer, Linda Chupik, Marcy Mayer is our scholarship committee chairperson, and my daughter, Rowena Rivera Baker, is vice chair. And we just work together. We pray. We leave it in God's hands. And somehow, here we are, 19 years later, still mm-hmm. 
doing this. Yeah, amazing. Uh, that, that, that's such an amazing legacy for uh, Rebecca's uh, life. So um, I know we have uh, an application window that opens up just uh, two days from now on January 2nd and goes through February 1st, so about a one-month period for um, people to apply. And it says here, uh, exceptional community service. Um, to tell us who, who qualifies. You mentioned 8th grade, I think 12th grade. You mentioned the possibility of some grade school. So who listening right now um, can apply? What are you looking for? What are the qualifications? If you can give us some of those details. Sure. Well, um, we do have scholarships for um, any student that's in 12th grade going on to college um, in 2013 that is a, is Catholic and um, in the Diocese of Dallas. So we have a diocesan-wide scholarship, but we also have one that is for Rebecca's community where she grew up, Mary Immaculate Church, Ursuline Academy, and she had a lot of strong ties with the Jesuit community. So we also have that in for $2,500 for the college scholarships. Um, and then we have a diocesan-wide 8th grade um, scholarship for $500, uh, as well as one that's graduating from Mary Immaculate um, School or is affiliated with a church. They can go to public school or to private school. Um, they just have to be a member of the Diocese of Dallas. Now, the ones that we call the Little Angel Scholarships, those are specifically for Mary Immaculate School. Um, those are uh, 4th, 5th, and 6th, and those are $500. And the reason it's at Mary Immaculate School is because that's the school that Rebecca mm-hmm. went to. So, yeah. we, um, so we have those, and those are um, you know, specifically for them. Uh, basically, what they have to do, go on our website, RebeccaLeahRivera.org. That's R E B E K A H L E A H R I V E R A A. I'm sorry. <laughs> dot O R G. And they'll have to um, do a 500 word essay. Uh, we usually want to have their transcript just so that we know that they, once they get the scholarship, that they'll be successful. Um, they don't have to have straight A's. Um, a letter of recommendation and their volunteer hours. Our focus is mainly on community service. So we want to know what are they doing for the community. We're looking for people that have the same type of heart that Rebecca had. Mm-hmm. And I love their community is serving. And um, also then they we need a letter from their parish that they attend that parish. So um, it's pretty straightforward. It's all online. Um, and we have... Scholarship Selection Committee. Obviously, I don't select the uh, students or the recipients, um, but it's just very. It's it just gives me just a feeling of fulfillment, or just to be able to see the kids as they apply and uh, reading through their essays and just the kind of children that they are. Um, it's just very gratifying, and it's been a blessing to me and our family. All right. My guest is Rena Rivera, president, founder of the Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation. Uh, 2023 Spirit of Love Scholarships are um, open for application as of January 2nd of 2023 through February 1st, 2023. And the website, org. R-E-B-E-K-A-H. L-E-A-H, 
Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A dot org. Um, the phone number, can I give that out as well? 972-480-5273. 972-480-5273. I know there's interest because we have uh, been contacted several times already asking about this because we have a, a spot that's running on the air. Uh, it's the um, Spirit of Love Scholarships Exceptional Community Service in memory of Rebecca Leah Rivera a 2001 graduate of Ursuline Academy in Dallas. And are you going to have a, a like an actual event, uh, award ceremony sometime in 2023, or, or what is the plans for that? Um, well, we've decided as a board that in 2023 we're going to forego an event. However, uh, we're still fundraising. Uh, we already have our budget set for next year, $18,000 that we're going to award. Um, so we're very blessed to be able to have adjusted to, you know, the post-COVID times. Um, so we miss being able to get together with everybody and spending time with them. We really enjoyed uh, giving, awarding them and spending uh, time with the recipients. Uh, but next year, we're still going to do a virtual um, fundraise, fundraiser. But we're and we're awarding the scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our mission, uh, we feel very privileged that we can still fulfill our mission, which is to encourage, recognize, and support young Catholic community servants by awarding college scholarships and other forms of financial aid. And we read that at every meeting because we always want to remind ourselves, are we doing what we what we set out to do? And yes, we're still doing that, and we're just very blessed to be able to do that. Um, I would like to recognize our 2022 scholarship recipients, if that's okay oh, with yeah, you. Oh, yeah, sure. Please yep. do. All right. So uh, for $2,500 of Spirit of Love College University Scholarships, we have Catherine Robb from Ursuline Academy attending St. Paul, the Apostle Catholic Church, and she went on to TCU in Fort Worth. We also have Victoria or. Rivera from no relation to us, <laughs> uh, Ursuline Academy of uh, Dallas, St. Paul Apostle Catholic Church in uh, attending Dallas College. Um, we have the Little Angel Scholarships, uh, Kimberlyn Rogers from Mary Immaculate for fourth grade, fifth grade Delaney Parton, uh, sixth grade Miguel Angel Lopez, and seventh grade Valentina Aguinara Marquez. Um, and our $500 Spirit of Love high school scholarships went to Preston Westcott Rogers, who attends Mary Immaculate, is going on to Jesuit, it went on to Jesuit. And then Noah Zaffareo, also attending Mary Immaculate, went on to Jesuit. Our diocesan-wide scholarships were uh, for our $500 Spirit of Love high school scholarship went to Nathaniel Sabogol from St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic School and is attending Jesuit College Preparatory School. Uh, We also had two diocesan-wide Spirit of Love Scholarships College and University for 2,500. Emily Spielman and Luke Rain. Uh, Luke Rain went on to Texas A&M University out of Cistercian, attending Holy Family of Nazareth. And then Emily uh, was from Waxahachie Global School, attending St. Joseph Catholic School, went on to St. Louis University. And we also have two, what we call uh, Spirit of Love Faithful Servant Scholarships. These are uh, students that received a scholarship when they were in eighth grade, 
and they applied again, and we saw that they were still doing the same, being faithful, and so we award these scholarships, and um, these are $2,500 scholarships for college. Thomas Gasper, Jesuit College Preparatory School, member of Mary Immaculate, went on to Texas A&M University, and then Zachary Elrich went to Bishop Lynch High School, a uh, member of St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic School, went off to Oklahoma State University, Stillwater, Oklahoma. So we have quite a, a combination of different um, students from different parts of the diocese, and we're just so pleased when um, we see their success, and many times we um, keep up with them. On They'll call us, or you know, we see them, or social media uh friendships that we have and we've been able to see some go through just a lot of things like the our first one is um has a college degree now has two children um we have one that became a nurse got a master's degree recently got married and it's just very beautiful to be able to see them as they go off and uh become just adults and take their place in the world. Yeah, very nice. Uh, and thank you for t- letting us know about all the winners from uh, this past year as well. And congratulations to all of them. Rena Rivera is my guest, president, founder of the Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation. It's the 2023 Spirit of Love Scholarships and the application um, window opens up on January 2nd, uh, just a couple of days from now, ends February 1st. And you should go to RebeccaLeahRivera.org, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, and then Leah, L-E-A-H, and then Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A.org. You can also call 972-480-5273. And when will you be announcing the winners, or when is the committee going to come together, or when will people know? Um, usually we send out the letters in, um, April. It's okay. pretty, a pretty long process. We have two levels of, of committee members, you know, first, first level. And once they select three from there, it goes on to the second level with a lot of prayer. And, um, so usually we let them know in April. Okay. And I, I love that it's based on, uh, community service because I think that, just the the culture we're living in right now kind of lends itself to almost a narcissism in a way with selfies and social media and the likes and i i mean i, I know i've got i've got teenage daughters and i know that's just a constant temptation to and i feel it myself to just kind of be self-absorbed and it's all about us and rebecca clearly was not uh somebody who who lived that way and then you're recognizing other people who do give back to the community which i think is just awesome is there any any need um i mean if if, is it need-based or is does the family's economic situation matter in these cases or is that taken into consideration or, or 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 is that not relevant to these awards uh it's not something that we take into consideration uh not that we haven't been able to help a lot of yeah. uh, students, but it's not one of our uh, criteria right. that yeah, we okay. use. Yeah, because mm-hmm. really, I mean, tuition's expensive for everybody. Right. <laughs> Even if you are not, you know, uh, you know, very, very poor, it's still a great challenge uh, to everybody. So, um, and all the the five hundred word essay. Uh, I'm sure this is explained on the website. Uh, is there a particular, you just kind of want to know the person? Are they writing about a particular topic? Or uh, what, what should they spend these 500 words writing about? So there is a question on there for them to consider. Okay. Um, 
so it's it's on the website. I had printed it off, but that's yeah. okay. Those, yeah, but it's, it's, it's yeah, but they are guided uh, as far right. as what to write about. Basically, yes. it's usually reflective of their community service and how does that impact their faith, or how has their faith made them want to serve others. Um, so it's really a, um, a very reflective um, essay. And some of the essays that I have read were just so beautiful from the little ones. Sometimes I'll write like on um, the lined paper if they don't you know, have a computer. Mm-hmm. And it's just so beautiful, the things that they write about, the things that they do, you know, whether they're helping out, collect uh, cans of food for people or things like that. It's just um, beautiful to see and read their, um, see the things that they do by reading their essays. Yes. Um, we are just about out of time. Diane saying three minutes until we have to wrap this up. I, I see you picked up the, uh, the, the, the book marker as well. Uh, there is Rebecca's prayer on here. I'd like to close out with that before we do that. And you can read it if you, if you, if, if you will. Um, is there anything else that people should know that we haven't touched on yet about the uh, Spare to Love scholarships or anything uh, before we close out that you'd like to say about these? Well, I want to thank all of our supporters throughout the years, especially the Knights of Columbus, Council 5052, Padrino Foods, Viviana and Basil Hito, all of our board members. And we have lots of supporters, especially at Mary Immaculate Church. So just wanted to thank them. And if anybody wants to donate, yes, we can. you can always go on our website and click that button and donate or send us a check. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, thank you for coming in. Jane is here as well. I told her I wouldn't mention her name, but uh, since you already did, I'm going to mention it as well because she's the one that always emails and uh, recommends this. So I thank her very much. So let's, let's close out with uh, Rebecca's prayer, if you will, Rena. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the strength you have given me and the wonderful gift of my loving friends and family. Please grant me wisdom to know what you want of me and help me follow the example of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Was that actually something she wrote, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen? She wrote that herself? Yes, we found this in a um, some of the writings that she had done, like an assignment for a confirmation class that she was teaching and it was a questionnaire, yeah. and um, we just found that. So oh, our well, teacher t- gave it to us one year. Oh, that's beautiful, uh, in her own words. All right, well, thank you very much. Thanks for both of you for visiting. Thanks, Diane, for running the board. And I just want to close out by saying that if you would like to uh, learn more about the Rebecca Leah Rivera Foundation 2023 Spirit of Love uh, Scholarships, uh, you should go to RebeccaLeahRivera.org or you can call 972-480-5273. The window um, for applications opens on January 2nd and goes through February 1st. And so you have uh, pretty much exactly a month to do that. RebeccaLeahRivera.org is the website. So thank you. This has been the, I believe, the final interview of the week of this calendar year. And we thank you for your support this past year of all these great causes and organizations and, of course, also of the GRN as well. Have a great uh, rest of your uh, year and day and weekend. Uh, God bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Hi, I'm Jackie De La Viaga 
TeacherForHomeschoolConnections.com, a sponsor of this station. Experience the joy in educating your grade school child with our newly developed grade school unit study program. We use TAN books, Story of Civilization, Living Books, and... Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 